Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Well, I'd like to introduce you to my uh, three latest grandbabies. All three have been born in this last year. First off, there is Xander. Uh, Xander was born 10 months ago. Uh, Xander has the most outgoing personality I have ever, 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 ever seen in a baby. He's constantly moving. He's always smiling uh, like he'd want to sell you a used car. So that's Xander. And next is Adler. Okay, Adler's about six months old now. Uh, Adler's dad has a PhD, recently got a PhD, and when I look at Adler, I'm thinking he's going to follow in his daddy's footsteps because he wears this a pensive, thoughtful gaze sometime that leads you to believe the gears are turning in his brain. And then thirdly, three months old is Isabel. Uh, we call her Izzy, and I predict that Izzy is going to be a people lover a people lover because she can't get enough human contact. She, uh, her favorite place to take a nap is lying on her dad's chest while her dad is on the sofa. So three new grandbabies, very different personalities, but they have one thing in common. None of them is particularly worried about this current crisis. I mean, they're, they're not anxious about the possibility of getting COVID-19. They're not, they're not hoarding disposable diapers. Okay, they're, they're, they're not checking their investments every 10 minutes to see how much money they've lost. Okay, how can these babies be so chill in the midst of, of these troubled times? Here's their secret. Okay, they're all confident that their mom and dad are going to meet their every need. They're all 100% confident that their mom and dad are going to provide for them. So happy Mother's Day. I want to remind you today that God is going to provide for us. We're going to talk about God's provision today. Now, this sermon is especially for moms since it's Mother's Day, uh, but it's also the first installment in a new six-part series from the book of Psalms. We're calling it Songs of Hope. Songs of Hope. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23. And let me remind you uh, that if you don't have a Bible at hand, you could push pause and you could go get a Bible. You can also uh, check out on our mobile app our outline. There's a sermon outline there. You could even fill it in as we go along. The Psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 23, is probably the most popular of the 150 Psalms in the book of Psalms. Uh, It's also maybe. the most familiar portion of Scripture in the entire Bible. I mean, it's sometimes referred to as the shepherd's psalm. This is the psalm that begins with those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now, shepherds in ancient times, uh, they, they spent all the time every day with their sheep, uh, seven days a week, uh, 365 days in a year, 24 hours in the day, they were with their sheep. You know, they were with their sheep in bad weather and in good weather. They were with their sheep uh, on a good day or on a day when predators were attacking. They were with their sheep while they were cuddling a little lamb or while they were tracking down a stubborn stray. They were always with their sheep. Sheep can't survive without their shepherd. They depend on their shepherd for everything, everything. 
Now, I've, I've never owned a sheep. Uh, I have raised a succession of dogs and cats. In fact, we got a pillow in our family room, and the, the pillow says, for a balanced life, you need a, a dog to adore you and a cat to ignore you. <laughs> and if you're, you're a cat lover, you can attest to the fact that cats are pretty independent. Cats have a way of communicating they don't really need you. Well, that's not so with sheep. Okay, Sheep are not independent. Sheep couldn't last a day without their shepherd. Their shepherd provides them with everything they need. Everything. Look again, if you would, if you're open to Psalm 23, look at the opening line. In fact, let's say this line together. Would you say it with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's say that again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is the word of the Lord. He is our shepherd. Now, the theme of this psalm is God's provision. Just like my grandkids are confident that their mom and dad are going to meet their every need, just like sheep are confident that their shepherd is going to provide for them, so we can be confident that God is going to to provide for us. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to give us everything we want, but he will give us everything we need. We'll be able to say, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. So today, what Sue and I would like to do is unpack Psalm 23 for you and look specifically at five things that God provides for us. Five provisions. Here's number one. Provision number one is refreshment. He provides refreshment. Look at verse two with me of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Oh, if there's one gift I would give you today, it would be this, to be able to lie down in a green pasture. Doesn't that sound amazing? On a blanket, of course, you know, so the ants don't get you. I know we've got some tired moms listening to us this weekend message, and we just want to say thank you, moms, for all you do. You're doing the most important job in the world, shaping the next generation, but I know you're weary. Some moms are exhausted because they're up every three hours in the night nursing a baby. I get that. My two daughters and daughter-in-law are doing that this year. Some moms are up in the night just because they're anxious for their kids, their teenagers, their young adults. Their grandkids, it just doesn't quit, right? Some moms are exhausted from the steep learning curve of homeschooling. Hats off to our homeschooling moms. Some of us are um, exhausted just because of relational tension, right? The husband's around 24-7 and he's getting on your last nerve. I know. I mean, I don't know. Other women tell me that this is the case. Well, whatever reason you're tired, we could sum it up this way. We're weary, and how we need the Lord to bring us refreshment. How does he do this? Well, here's how it works for sheep. The shepherd knows that sheep need green grass and quiet waters. Now, this psalm was written in the ancient Middle East where green grass was hard to come by. So part of the job of a shepherd was to scout out new places to find refreshing pastures. And sheep need still waters, not rapids, not rushing waters that are noisy. It would, sh- it would scare them away. They wouldn't drink. You see, sheep are anxious animals. 
right? Think about this. They have no way to defend themselves. Sheep don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have a loud bark or growl. They don't even have speed to run away from harm. Sheep are vulnerable and needy. You could say they're sheepish. They are timid. They're easily agitated. So sheep depend fully on their shepherd for rest in green pastures and drinks from quiet waters. So how does the Lord provide refreshment for you and me? There are some physical things we need to do if we want to experience the Lord's refreshment, right? He made us to be human beings in bodies that do need sleep. We do need to eat healthy food, and we do need exercise. As one physician told me this winter, she said, movement is medicine. Movement is medicine. The more you exercise and move your body and hike and garden, it's good for you. There's some mental and emotional things that we need to put into place if we want to experience the Lord's refreshment. He made us that way. We need to be out in creation and in sunshine. We need to connect with friends and life-giving confidants on Zoom or FaceTime. We need to know what puts wind in our sails. Do you love to read a good book? Do you love to play a game or do a puzzle or garden? Make time for mental and emotional things. But most importantly, there are some spiritual things we need to put into place if we want to experience the Lord's refreshment. Our souls are refreshed when we spend time with this shepherd. Let me say that again. Our souls are refreshed when we spend time with the shepherd. I love Jesus' invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Come to me, Jesus says. I'll give you rest for your souls. About a month ago, just after we began sheltering in place, I hit a wall. I came down with a fever, with exhaustion, with a headache for three days, and I just went to bed the whole time. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't have any anxiety during that time. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, for some coronavirus symptoms to kick in. Thank goodness that's not what it was. But during that time, all I could do was review some psalms I had learned. You see, in the last six months, the psalms have been my go-to book of the Bible. Every morning, getting up and just reviewing a psalm I've known and learning a new one. And in fact, I am beside myself excited about this psalm series that we're doing, Songs of Hope. Uh, you don't want to miss a single one. Some of my favorites are going to be taught. But also, I have to say that this little Psalms and Proverbs booklet published by Zondervan has been a lifeline for me. It's easy to carry around and leave laying open wherever you are. And so during that time when I was sick, I would review Psalm 23 and other Psalms. You see, Psalm 63 verses 6 and 7 say, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My shepherd made me lie down in green pastures during those three sick days. And as I spent time with him in the Psalms, he refreshed my soul. 
So what does God provide for us? Number one, refreshment. Number two, guidance. Okay, look with me, if you would, at the second half of verse 3. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, anyone who's ever worked with sheep will tell you that they are willful, stubborn, foolish creatures. In fact, one Psalm 23 commentator, one scholar writes, sheep are probably the most stupid animals on earth. So it's not a compliment when the prophet Isaiah says about us humans, all we like sheep, Isaiah 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. So sheep and people have this natural tendency to wander off, to go their own way to leave the right path and to distance themselves from the shepherd and from everything the shepherd desires to provide for their lives. Another consequence of wandering off, of taking the wrong path for both sheep and and, and people is that it puts us in harm's way. You know, if we're on the wrong path, it could lead us over the edge of a cliff. It could lead us to entanglement in some thicket of life. You know, if, if we're on the wrong path, It can lead to terrifying lostness as we're off on our own. If we're on the wrong path, it could lead us into the jaws of a predator. Now, fortunately, the Lord is my shepherd, and so he guides me along the right path. So how does our shepherd provide us with such such guidance? Well, it begins when we first surrender our lives to him. You know, Jesus says about himself in John chapter, John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I'm, I'm the shepherd who calls the sheep, and those who are mine respond to my call. They follow me. So, so there, there needs to come a time in our place where we say to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I've been on the wrong path. I've been on my path. And, and that's not led me where I really want to go. I surrender leadership of my life to you. I want you to be my shepherd. I want to pursue your path. I want to listen and respond to your voice. Now, that's where guidance begins. When we surrender our lives to Christ, how does guidance continue? Well, the principal way in which God guides his sheep, Jesus guides his sheep, is through his word. The psalmist declares in another psalm, Psalm 119, verse 105, God, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. Now, the the Bible doesn't guide us by providing specific answers to specific questions. Okay, so uh, let's say, for example, you're a mom Uh, You won't find a chapter and verse that will tell you, uh, you know, when is the time to start bottle feeding your baby. You you won't find a chapter and verse that says, okay, here's the particular discipline for a specific misbehavior. You you, you won't find a Bible and verse that tells you, a chapter and verse that tells you how many hours to work outside the home or when it's appropriate for your teenage kids to start dating. But here's how the the, the Bible guides us. As we spend time in God's Word each day, it makes us wise people. And wise people make wise decisions. Let me say that again. We spend time in God's Word, and God makes us wise people, and wise people make wise decisions. So what, what big decision are you facing right now? Will you take the right path or or the wrong path? Okay, your, your shepherd wants to guide you, and he'll do that 
not only as you spend time in prayer and he puts impressions on your heart as to which direction you should go, or not only when you spend time getting good counsel from other believers, but most importantly, he will do that because you spend time in his word, become a wise person, and so make wise decisions. By the way, this is you know, this is why if you're a mom, it's critical not only for you to be in Scripture for yourself. This is why it's so important to teach your, your children how to get into God's Word for themselves. You know, to read the Bible with them every day and to discuss it and to talk about how you're going to put it, whatever, whatever it is you read, in, in, into practice in your lives. You know, Christ Community Church would love to come alongside you in this regard. This is why every week... Our Kids World team, we post a brand new lesson for you on our website, ccclife.org. You could go and use that lesson to teach your kids from God's Word something important that they need for their lives. You know, this is why we do a, a student ministries live stream every Wednesday, teaching the Bible, even while kids are sheltered in place. You know, last week on our Wednesday night live stream, that that live stream was viewed over 1,100 times after it was posted. You know, this is why we provide the Bible-savvy daily reading schedule in the hopes that mom and dad will not only read the scriptures for themselves, but they'll be reading on a daily basis with their kids. You know, there's nothing more heartbreaking than for a parent, for a, a mom to watch one of her kids wander off the right path. And there are so many wrong paths that our kids can take today. I recently finished a, a very moving autobiography, Chrissy Simbola Toledo. Chrissy is the, uh, the grown daughter of a couple that started Brooklyn Tabernacle church uh, some years ago in New York City, one of the most famous, uh, famous churches in the city. Uh, her mom for years has been the director of the Brooklyn Tab Choir that has won uh, six Grammy Awards, three million albums, uh, has produced three million albums. But when Chrissy was a teenager, uh, she wandered from the right path. She, she was determined, she was addicted to the attention of a certain young man, and so she ran away from home and she got pregnant, and uh, he later abandoned her. Now, the good news is, I mean, this is a tragic story. This is, it's told in, in her book, uh, The Girl in the Song. So it's a tragic story of wandering off the right path, but the good news is, Because her parents had saturated Chrissy's life with the Bible, with Scripture, with God's Word, God's Word eventually led Chrissy home, led Chrissy back to mom and dad, led Chrissy back into a relationship with God. It's a yay God story. And speaking of yay God, please note how verse 3 ends. We're told that our shepherd guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. See, as we saturate our lives with Scripture, as we become wise people who make wise decisions, others notice, and they attribute it to God. So for His name's sake, God has given us His wise word and makes us into wise followers. God provides guidance. Well, provision number three is presence, God's presence. 
Now, an important feature of ancient Hebrew poetry, which the Psalms are, is that the word count, very center of the word count, sometimes reveals the key theme of the Psalm. And that's the case with Psalm 23. If we could count the Hebrew words of Psalm 23, we would find that the very middle is the message. The middle of verse four, four words, you are with me. You are with me. So profound that that's the main message. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Let's ponder each word. Who's the you? It's the Lord, the shepherd king who has all authority and all compassion. You are with me. That's why I fear no evil. You are with me. Present tense, not you've been with me, you will be with me, but right now at this time and place and circumstance, you are with me. That's why I have no fear. You are with me. You're not just up there on your throne, distant, distracted, busy, but you are with me. As Jesus told his disciples, the Holy Spirit is with you and will be in you. He's as near as our very breath. You are with me. You are with me. It's unbelievable that I would be the focus of God's attention. God says to me in Isaiah 43, 1, Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. Wow. You are with me. Now, there's a really important pronoun change in verse 4. Did you pick up on this? You see, in verses 1, 2, and 3, the pronoun is the Lord. He. He does this. He does that. But in, verses four, in verse 4, in the darkest valley, it changes from he to you. You are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You see, in the valley, it gets personal. In the valley, it gets personal. Have you ever been in a dark valley and experienced a heightened sense of the presence of God? Some time ago, I was literally in a valley. We have some friends that invited our family to hike down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. We were so excited about this opportunity. We went out and bought new hiking shoes. We started to train. We hiked along the Fox River. We hiked around our neighborhood. We even went out to the highest point in King County, Johnson's Mound in Elburn, and hiked three times around that steep road. And wow, you feel it in your muscles, right? New muscles you hadn't used before. And we think, oh, we're ready. Bring it on. Note to self. You cannot train in flat Illinois for the Rockies or the Grand Canyon. You just can't. It's very much like this pandemic. There was no training for it. We're all using faith muscles we've not used before, right? So I find myself hiking down, down, down the Grand Canyon and the rocky, dusty path, and, and my knees are starting to use muscles they hadn't used before, and my right knee starts to ache. Now, I'm also thinking about the signs up at the top of the canyon that say, basically, if you get yourself down, you got to get yourself back up. If you have a medical condition, don't even start this hike. It costs like $10,000 to hire a helicopter to come down and rescue you. So we get to the bottom of the canyon, we eat dinner, we go to bed, and I start to pray. Lord, uh, it's me at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Can you even hear me? 
um, my knee hurts, and I'm not sure I can hike out. And um, God, I, I need help. I saw people hiking out while we were hiking down, and they had walking sticks. So Lord, if you could give me a stick, I think I can get out. Please hear my cry. The next morning we went to breakfast. I'm still praying. I step out of the dining hall, and I see a stick. And now you got to realize, this is Arizona. There aren't a lot of stick-making trees around. I say it once. Does this stick belong to anybody? I grab the stick. I hobble out of the Grand Canyon. And with every step, I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You heard my cry. It was a personal experience for me of knowing God's presence literally in the valley. And I saved this stick. It's a reminder of his presence. Well, moms, what kind of valley do you f find yourself facing? What fears do you have that create a dark valley for you? Is it physical health problems? Is it financial struggle? Is it the special needs of your kids? Is it grief? from a miscarriage or an empty nest. Maybe it's wayward adult kids. I mean, the list is endless. Can you say, Lord, you are my shepherd, so I can always know you are with me. You see, his presence is what we need the most. What else does God provide? Okay, so God provides refreshment. Our shepherd provides guidance. He provides his presence. Uh, number four, vindication. Vindication. Back to Psalm 23, we're picking it up at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is a picture of vindication. Now, we're going to do an entire psalm about this topic later on in the series, so I won't go into a, uh, you know, a lot of details regarding the topic uh, today. God provides us with vindication, victory over our enemies. That's what's meant. Victory over our enemies. Uh, one of my most vivid moments as a young boy, uh, I remember a day I was coming home from school and I got picked on by a bully. Uh, now, I don't remember what set the bully off or if he was just having a bad day, but he started to pick on me. I do remember that I shouted something at him, and then I took off. I started running for home. Now, the, the dude was uh, twice my size, as I recall, and he was a few years older than me, but I was fast. And so I beat him to my house, and I remember running into the front yard screaming bloody murder at the top of my lungs, and my mom came out to see what all the ruckus was about, and I quickly scooted behind my mom, and the bully came to a screeching halt when he saw mom. And I did one of those, you know, peeking out from behind mom, doing one of those, eh, you know, sticking my tongue out at him because I was sure he couldn't get to me. Okay, I had a mommy shield. There was no way he was getting around my mom. Now, David, who wrote Psalm 23, David didn't have a mommy shield, but David had an awesome God shield. 
He had an awesome God shield. So when David was a young boy and he went up against the ginormous enemy soldier, Goliath, and Goliath said to little Davy, he said, I'm going to cut you in pieces and feed your flesh to the birds. David's response was, you come against me with sword and with spear and with javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. David was confident that God would provide him with victory, and God did. For years, David was on the run from wicked King Saul. King didn't want to lose his kingdom to this upstart, to David. David had to run for his life, but he was confident that God would give him the victory, and God did. Years later, after David had been king for a while, his son Absalom uh, mutinied, pulled off a coup. David had to get out of town to protect his life. But he was confident that God would ultimately give him the victory, and God did. Now, God provides vindication over our enemies. Now, in Psalm 23, David says that God throws him a feast right in front of the bad guys who have tried to destroy him. The shepherd spreads the table and fills David's cup with wine until it overflows and David's enemies are forced to watch while grinding their teeth. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In this world, we'll face opposition. Now, now, sometimes that opposition will come because we've done something foolish or, you know, because we're ornery. But sometimes the opposition will come because we're determined to follow Jesus. Sometimes opposition comes because we're determined to live according to biblical values and biblical morals. Sometimes opposition comes if you're a, a, a mom, if you determine that you're going to be a godly mom that you're going to allow the Lord to lead you as a parent. So the opposition in our lives, it may come at work, it may come from our our peer group, it may come from members of our own family. But if we'll stay, stay faithful to God, He will provide victory. He will vindicate us. You get it? Yeah, got it. And that's good. Number five. The final provision mentioned in Psalm 23 is found in verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, verse 6 begins. And you're saying, wait, what, who's Shirley? No, no, this is not a woman's name. This is David's way of saying, certainly, here is something I am absolutely confident about. Well, what is David so sure of? That goodness and love would follow him all the days of his life. You see, goodness and love flow from God's character. God is good. God is love. And like two sheepdogs, they are hounding me. They're nipping at my heels throughout my life. They're herding me all the way to my eternal home. And if I take the time to look back, I'll see them. If I stop and reflect on my life, I can spot the goodness and love of God. I can say, Lord, you've been faithful to provide me with refreshment along the way, with your guidance nudging me, with your presence in the dark valley and your victory at the table. What great goodness. What lavish love. You know, I absolutely love my current stage of life for two reasons. Number one, I've still got my energy. 
you know, you drop me in a field with my grandkids and we can kick a ball, we can fly a kite, we can blow bubbles for hours. Now, granted, they're four and six, but hey, I can keep up. I still have some energy, but secondly, I have some history. I have some history with the Lord where I can say, Lord, you have been good, you have been loving, even in the ups and downs, even in the hard times. I am enormously grateful. Speaking of gratitude, have you ever thought about starting a gratitude journal? This is a great exercise for us moms, actually for all of us. You see, journaling our gratitude causes us to look back and log the goodness and love of God. We need to write it down because as we do, this helps build that confidence, those faith muscles that we need so that we have some history with him and we can laugh at the days to come and be content in the present. We can be strong and courageous knowing that the Lord our God, our shepherd, is with us all the days of our life. He's with our kids all the days of their lives. He's got them, moms. He's got us right up to the day he takes us home. Home. The closing line of Psalm 23 describes God's ultimate provision. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love thinking about that word dwell. You see, it implies a permanence, doesn't it? We don't dwell in a hotel room. We just spend a day or two. We don't dwell in a camper. We might vacation for a week or two. We don't even dwell in a good friend's house. We're still a guest. And even our current houses and apartments are temporary living places. They are not our final home. Dwell implies permanence and being totally at home and familiar for a really long time. You see, God's got something eternal for us. God has a home, a new heaven and an earth, and it will be our home if we have surrendered to Christ. There's no getting to God's home apart from Jesus. God's word is clear that his eternal home is going to be a perfect place. The new heaven and new earth are perfect, and we are not. And so we can't go there left to ourselves. We need to be cleansed of our sin. And Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, Jesus who came and died on the cross and took the punishment for our sin, he rose again and he offers us new life so that we can be forgiven and cleansed. This is amazing news. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, he has made you fit to live in God's perfect eternal home. Jim and I are coming up to the one-year anniversary of both our dads homegoing. Both our dads died last summer, two weeks apart. I really miss them. And I picture them worshiping the shepherd in his presence and often think of them in corporate worship. You know, as a body when we are singing, even online, when we are watching Christ Community Church worship service online, I'm thinking about our dads. You know, it gets, it gets personal when loved ones are there, right? They always uh, leave a longing for more. It's like a taste of heaven when we sing and when we worship. I don't ever want to miss a note of our corporate worship. 
And I know that more is coming. And that will come soon when we're forever with the Lord. Well, please note how Psalm 23 begins and ends with the same words. The Lord, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. Bookends. It's as if this psalm is inviting us to do life with the Lord. To make the Lord our shepherd. And to experience the provision that he gives. His refreshment, his guidance, his presence, his victory, and ultimately his home. Who wouldn't want all that? Now let me ask you, is the Lord your shepherd? I'm going to ask you to close with me in prayer right now. And I want to give you the opportunity to... Make the Lord your shepherd, if you've never done that before, to surrender your life to him. So let's bow in prayer. Uh, We like to say that the surrender prayer around Christ Community Church, the surrender prayer involves three special words. The first word is sorry. So if you've never surrendered to Christ before, or if you're not certain that you've surrendered to Christ, that Jesus is your shepherd, you know, it begins by saying sorry. You know, sorry that I have spent a lifetime wandering onto my own path, taking the wrong path. My my path has led to selfishness and to anger, to pride, to materialism, to gossip, to all the wrong things. And I just want you to know I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my waywardness. I'm sorry that I, like the prophet said, am like a sheep who's gone my own way. Can you say sorry today to shepherd Jesus and mean it from your heart. Let me give you just a moment to do that. Sorry is the first word. The second word is thanks. This is where you say, thank you, shepherd Jesus, for coming to earth, living a perfect life. Thank you for laying down your life on the cross to take the penalty for my waywardness, for my sinfulness. The punishment is death. Our sins separate us from God, and God is the source of life. And so the consequence is death. Jesus took the death we deserve to die when he died on the cross. Can you say thank you? Thank you not just that you died on the cross, but thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that as my shepherd you came seeking me. That you found me out on the mountain, caught in a thicket of my own sin. Have you said sorry? Have you said thanks? The final word is please. Please, Jesus, I want you to become my shepherd. Please. Please, Jesus, I want to learn what it means to follow you. Please, I recognize that the way you guide, the way you lead is through your word, primarily through your word. So from this day forward, I I want to make it a habit to get to know your word. Please come into my life. Please become my shepherd. Now, before I say amen to this prayer, let me just say, as we're still bowed before God watching this online, if you made that surrender decision today, You know, that's the first step in a real, genuine relationship with Christ. But we want you to take subsequent steps. We want you to take next steps. And that's why we provide some resources for you online. So uh, sometime in the next 24 hours, if you made that surrender decision today, go to our website, ccclife.org, and look at next steps. Okay, ccclife.org, next steps. And you'll find a question. 
The question asks if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, and it'll give you two or three possible answers, and each answer will take you to some resources that will help you take your next steps in a walk with Christ. So please do that sometime today after we say amen and before you put your head on the pillow today. You know, tell Jesus you want him to be your shepherd, that you'll surrender your life to him, and then go online, make that a a distinct decision by answering that question online. God, I want to just thank you in closing that you are our shepherd and that you provide for our every need. And during this time of pandemic, during this time when there is much to fear, take away our fear and convince us, God, in our hearts that you love us dearly and that you will provide for our every need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In Jesus' name we all say, amen.